All right. Wow. We're in. We're in it. Here we go. We're uh, Max, hello. Sam, how are hello. you? Good. Real good. Good. Let's start with the check-in round. Okay. Can you explain the check-in round? <laughs> yeah. A check-in round is actually something from my world of work. Uh, we, it's a it's a really simple practice that we teach teams to do uh, at the beginning of all of their meetings, and all it is, is the facilitator asks a question of the team, and it could be the default question that we always go with if we don't have anything else is just what has your attention right now, and everybody just goes around and answers the question, and it's not. It's not a jumping off point for conversation. It's not, there's not supposed to be any crosstalk. I mean, there's only two of us, so we yeah. don't have to worry about that. Uh, but when we're doing it with a team, uh, it's just a way for everyone to have their voice be heard early in a meeting. And it gives people an opportunity to kind of get their head in the game. Because very commonly, people are running from one meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting. And it's kind of there's like a lot of whiplash kind of going from one topic to another. So having a check-in round can just be like a way for people to get centered and get ready to focus on whatever it is that we're going to do over there, over the course of the next meeting. But right, I thought for you in. and I, let's just start let's just start our podcast with a check-in round. And here's my check-in round question for you. It's one I've been using a lot recently. It's a lot of fun. You and I were going to the zoo. Mm-hmm. We only have time to see one animal though. Where are you taking us? So poorly planned. I know um, it's a bad, it's a bad <laughs> zoo trip, but where um, where are we going? Going to the penguin house. I know it smells like shit, <laughs> dude. We are the same person. I also always answer that question as penguin house. So I guess I guess we don't have any uh, argument. We're 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 going to the penguin house together. Yeah. Did you not get that 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 Skype poop? No, it's Skype poop. Happened to you? It's Skype pooped. Okay. Do you want to start over? Okay. Should we start over? Um, uh, we can start over. You can just like cut that out. But I, now that's I know you're putting a lot of pressure in my. That's putting a lot of pressure on my editing skills. <laughs> nope. What's in the show is in the show. We're going to the Penguin House. Why? So normally I wouldn't ask this follow up question. We'd just dive into the meeting. But the podcast kind of is our meeting. This is our meeting. So why why penguins? Why are we going to the Penguin House? Um, I mean the. Uh, for some reason, as a kid, that was always my favorite place to go. But it does smell terrible. It's always terrible. Yeah. Um, Do you ever have you ever it, have you ever walked into a public restroom and realized that it smells like the Penguin House? No. Oh, yeah, I've been to some rest areas. I feel like that smell like the Penguin House. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> it makes me. Are there hidden penguins? Yeah, I think so. That's actually with the employees there. <laughs> oh. The <laughs> yeah. Rest rest stops run by penguins. I yep. I didn't know that. Um, but no, I think I liked when the one at least in Detroit where you could watch them swim and race each other was just very entertaining. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, I felt like you got the new see penguin house full. there now is off the chain. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's super cool. It's actually well lit. Yeah. It's it doesn't smell as bad. <laughs> doesn't smell as bad. Yeah. Um, the penguins seem generally happier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I but love I penguins, like... man. Penguins are the best. I love the juxtaposition. Like I love when an animal is so incredibly awkward in one context and so incredibly graceful in another. A penguin yeah. on land is just an abomination. It's an embarrassment. They mm-hmm. should be embarrassed of just what they are. But when they get in the water, beautiful ballet dancers. <laughs> yeah, I think I like too. The thing about the penguin house is you feel like you're getting like all aspects of their life. You know, 
you just see them like up on up on shore doing their things and oh, yeah, I feel like they're out. always feeding and hanging out but then you just see yeah. them go into the water and I feel like you know with the lions usually they're just like sleeping or something yeah. they're not going to be like doing they don't have the space to like chase down and tackle a gazelle you know <laughs> um, that would which, be a pretty great zoo though yeah which like I would I would love to see but I feel like a penguin you kind of you got to get the gist just by going to the <laughs> penguin house of what a penguin does yeah, but um, all right. I'm glad we're on the same page. Cool. Well, we're gonna do check-in round questions at the beginning of every episode from now on. So you come up with the next one for next yeah, week. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring the next one. All right. Cool. What are we talking about today? Well, we got we got follow-up, and most all importantly, right. the, the top bullet's really not that important. The but, top um, bullet is the maybe most important. <laughs> I don't really have much to say about it, but I mean, hey. well, I don't know how you do because isn't your birthday tomorrow? Yeah, but it's just we're not gonna record on it, so I'm just talking about it. That hey, it's my birthday weekend. Uh, my birthday's tomorrow. And I mean, you could have saved that for next week, and then you could have talked about what you did at your birthday. But I still can do that. Why can't my birthday oh, last wait, two so episodes? Your, your birthday is going to cut across two episodes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if our if our fans can handle that. Yeah, you, I don't know if we have any so. max heads out there who are really looking for that. <laughs> we better. It's whole family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your uh, What's your plan? Um, our plan's not too crazy, but we're going to go out to eat at the um one of the restaurants in the restaurant group that is a little bit fancier called the Bancroft. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go have ourselves a fancy uh, dinner. It's kind of one that's less farm to table They still buy stuff from us, but in smaller quantities. But um, it's a pretty classy establishment. It's pretty what are you going to order? I haven't even looked at the menu yet because I just want to go in. Just, you know, not no expectations, Sam. Do you – can you request a vegetable that you have handled? <laughs> I asked them to bring. You know, they bring out a bottle of wine and show it to you. Like they yeah. roll to the table. Bring I want them to bring like a cucumber or a carrot yeah. and be like, "Does this look familiar to you?" <laughs> so yes, I, I know that carrot and I want that on our meal. <laughs> All right, cool. But um, well, so yeah, happy sure. pre happy pre birthday. Thank you. I got you know what? I got all the field notes you sent me. Oh, okay, good. Um, I was going to ask about that. Aren't those pretty cool? They're very cool. I have. I need to start writing things down in my uh, notebooks more. <laughs> I think I have what your problem was, which is you got a ton of them, and now I have just a drawer full. But I'll, I'll get you some of them. The trick, the trick is to get a space pen because it's small and fits in pockets really well. I was about to try to grab – oh, here it is. Here's mine. Okay. Keep, keep this in your front left pocket. Are you left-handed or are you right-handed? Right-handed. Oh, what? Hmm. Well, well wait, what? Are you, you I mean, I just have natural, natural affinity for lefties. Lefties okay. rule the world, my man. Uh, anyway, field of work or field of work, uh, field notes are, uh, are are cool. And then your other gift you're currently speaking into. So it is my crispy, crispy voice is coming through this nice blue Yeti microphone. Those are not ad sponsors, but they should have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, after last week's um, presentation of our sponsors, I don't know if we have anybody <laughs> really knocking down our door to come <laughs> to come sponsor us. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I do have a lamb update. All right. Um, an actual lamb update. We still have all 10. I'm saying this in a sad sounding voice. Um, but one of the lambs does have an abscess that is kind of gross. What? Um, yeah. It's a bacterial oh. infection. It's not great. Where? Looks, we call, uh, on, on the head. Oh. Call him, we call him scabby. Oh. Um, but it's it may have surpassed scab classification. Um, Wait, what's after a scab? I, I think ab- a full-on abs, full, <laughs> full, full open wound. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, like they've been like applying stuff to it. I haven't actually had to like they? witness. How come it you yet. haven't done it? Uh, I'm not really on the livestock rotation. I keep <laughs> talking about this, but no one's tapped me into be having to deal with it. So uh, you, you should probably raise your hand and say, "Hey, I want to. I want to learn. I want to become a better farmer. Let me get in on this abscess treatment. <laughs> this abscess racket. Well, actually, 
Um, I didn't realize that it been a, it was a problem until they were talking about it earlier this week. But um, and it is a thing that this is kind of sad because it's so it is contagious, but it won't. There's not enough time before they go to slaughter for it to ever like take hold uh-huh. on any of the other ones really. So it's not really a thing you like overly stress treating with like you know if this was a, a sheep for wool and you wanted the sheep to last multiple seasons, yeah, you'd be doing stuff for it. But it's kind of sad that you're just like, well, <laughs> you've got an abscess until that you're until you're slaughtered. Yeah. Um, they Just, so the one has an abscess, but they all have the very terminal condition of oh. becoming food <laughs> soon. Yes, yes, they do. Uh, I think actually, end of August is the first round. But um, so does this one mean the, he's guaranteed to be in the first round? He is just guaranteed himself <laughs> a one way ticket to the first the first round of of lamb slaughter. Uh, um, it's a bummer, you know. But couldn't wait out until the second week of September, like the rest of the other yeah. five. So, but you know that's on him for getting sick. That's, that's too bad. So how, how, I mean, I kind of feel like do you feel shame that one of your one of your charges has gotten ill? Did you not keep your lambs clean enough? Did you not scrub them or something? Lambs get lots of diseases. I'm not going to take it personally at all. Um, all right. No, that's on that's on him. One of our it was funny that one of our coworkers who's been having to do a lot of the, the livestock work was <laughs> wearing a glove and rubbing Vaseline on this lamb's head. And she just turned to our other coworker and said, this is probably the weirdest thing I've ever done <laughs> as she massaged the scalp of a sheep. Um, but so that's an actual lamb update, but they'll, they'll be all right. He'll be all right. Um, I, mean, I mean, he won't be, but that's well, fine. <laughs> he'll make it to, he'll, for us. He'll be fine for us. He'll make it to the slaughter. Okay. Um, great. Which is, yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, right. well, what else did you do this week? Um, we had ourselves a fancy farm crew dinner. Farm um, crew dinner? Is this different from the farm dinner you talked about before? Yeah, this is just, this was just one of our coworkers hosted everybody at his house for a dinner. Um, oh, okay, cool. And we did have a farm, farm dinner this week as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, he hosted everybody at his adorable New England, like 1800s house. Um, do, when you went in there, you're like, oh, this is so, so quaint. It's so new co- compared to <laughs> I yours. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I love, I love the new construction that you have here. <laughs> um, but it was interesting cause he's, um, he's our coworker. That's a Latin teacher. Um, and he had this idea, I guess he's worked at other farms that have done this before, but they have dinner parties every year for the farm crew. That is, the idea is, I guess, he said it in French, and it sounded so cool. And I don't know the French phrase, but I it stands it. for. Well, can you say "house of poetry" in French? Maison de poet. Well, I don't know what the word is. Poésie. <laughs> is it? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Maison is definitely a house. Yeah. Um. Anyways, what Sam said, but basically, where everyone just brings it was a it was a dinner, but also everyone brought like um not an original piece of like your own poetry or anything that'd be kind of oh, uncomfortable for everyone involved. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have attended. Um, <laughs> but no, this was just bringing up a poet or a piece of writing or prose. It didn't even have to be a poem that you really like or that you have enjoyed. Um, and so we went over there and sat down and had dinner. He actually he's from uh, New Orleans. And he cooked us like a red beans and rice nice. um, with andouille sausage. Maybe my favorite Popeye side dish. Really? And uh, and collard greens on the side. And I guess he said that his family in New Orleans, it was traditional that that was what you'd eat every single Monday because it cooks on the stove for a long amount of time that the tradition used to be to do your wash on Monday. So you could put this on the stove and go do your wash for the day and then come back and you would have red beans and rice for dinner. 
Um, and he said his entire childhood, his family kept that tradition alive. Even though they weren't doing their wash on Mondays, they always knew what they were eating Monday nights, which I kind of love that idea. Yeah, that's kind of um, like me and ordering a pizza on Friday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit nicer than that. But um, it was actually, ironically, a Monday night that he was making dinner for all of us. Oh, nice. And food. Uh, uh, um, and then everyone kind of, we, we shared the poetry and stuff afterwards. But I was, the main reason I wanted to talk about it was because, one, this is the first time I've ever been invited to like a dinner party, which is pretty yeah. cool. I was telling Haley when we lived in Michigan, it's hard to get invited to a dinner party when all of our friends live at their parents' house because it's like, <laughs> hey, my mom's making lasagna. You want to come overnight? And it's, it feels less, I don't know, yeah. special. Well, you're you're a big you're a big boy adult now. <laughs> I know, and so that was cool. But it was also it was nice to be a part of a a get together where like no one was on their phones. Oh, um, there yeah. was no TV. There was no TV that anyone was watching. It wasn't even like it wasn't really even a conscious decision. It was just like. We were just all talking around the table, um, and obviously there wasn't a giant flat screen in his living room. But uh, it was just really nice to have. Like, it was probably the most like, I don't know, thoughtful get together yeah. I've been a part of a long what? time. And I had to look into poetry, which I haven't had to do in a while. Yeah, what'd you what'd you bring? Well, actually, I mean, you probably already heard it before because you listened to Wonderful, right? Yeah. With um, Matt McElroy's, yeah. uh, she always has poetry corner where she brings yeah. poems and poets, and it was actually one of the ones that she brought. Um, which one? Do you want me to read a poem on, on well, air here? No, just the, give, give me the title and the author. It was, it was called From Blossoms by Lee Young Lee. It's about peaches. Uh, I don't remember that one. Read it. How, okay. Is it really long I'll, or no? No, no, it's short. All right. I'll, I can read this fairly fast. This is our poetry corner, an ode to wonderful another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Podcastception, but whatever. Uh, this is one of the ones I brought. Um, but it's called, uh, so it's called From Blossoms by Lee Young Lee. It goes, From Blossoms comes this brown paper bag of peaches we bought from the boy at the bend in the road where we turned toward the signs painted peaches from laden bows from hands from sweet fellowship in the bins comes nectar at the roadside succulent peaches we devour dusty skin and all comes the familiar dust of summer dust we eat oh to take what we love inside to carry within us an orchard to eat not only the skin but the shade not only the sugar but the days to hold the fruit in our hands adore it then bite into the round jubilance of peach there are days we live as if death were nowhere in the background. From joy to joy to joy, from wing to wing, from blossom to blossom to impossible blossom to sweet impossible blossom. And I don't know. I just really liked it when God she brought damn, it. damn, I want a peach right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want a peach. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's the whole point of the poem, Sam. You, you got it. <laughs> you really tapped into the poet. But um, that was, yeah, it was really nice. That that's was cool. Uh, the, that's a good start of the week. That's an incredibly quaint and cute uh, experience that you had. Thank you. That almost sounded condescending, but I know you didn't be <laughs> It may have sounded condescending, but it was. I, I, it may even be partially condescending, but I don't mean for it to be. <laughs> okay. Well, that's okay. Thank you. You're welcome. What about you? What was your week like? Uh, What was my week like? What day is this? This is Thursday, right? Yeah, we're recording on Thursday. Let's look at my calendar. I like this. This episode, this little segment we have on the podcast called Sam Looks at His Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> because Sam has a terrible memory and can't remember what he does. Yeah. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I drove into the client's office, which is a little bit rare for me. But we had stuff going on each day there. So main things, well, the main things that I did this week, we had four hours with our key stakeholder um, in two two-hour sessions where the idea was that we were just going to go deep on basically go deep on brave new work um the idea was that he was going to have read all of it ahead of time and we were just going to go 
yeah. kind of section by section. He did not finish his reading, but it was okay. <laughs> I, I just did a little bit more uh, explication on my own. Uh, and no, it was really good. I mean, it's the, he's the type of person, like he teaches graduate school classes in systems thinking. So like he's really into sitting around a table and having an intellectual conversation about this work, which is totally my wheelhouse. Like I would do yeah. that all day long. So we did that on Tuesday and Wednesday. So most of Monday was kind of prepping for that. Um, kind of rereading Brave New Work and taking some notes and highlighting some stuff that I wanted to bring up with him. And then my my colleague who lives in North Carolina, who's joining me on this project, he flew up uh, Tuesday night and we got dinner with one of, um, not the, the gentleman that we did the deep dive sessions with, but uh, a woman who's working with him. She came out and we all, the three of us got dinner at a really great restaurant. Um, called Haleo um, by Jose Andres. Andres, uh, But it's amazing. Tapas restaurant. It's like he's the guy, I'm pretty sure, kind of popularized tapas in the United States. Uh, so this, this, it was incredibly good. Um, what was then, the goal of that meeting? Uh, just for, just to have an, uh, a, a chat and for my colleague to meet her face-to-face for the first time. They had only met over the phone basically. So it was just an opportunity to eat together and talk. This is, so this is the same project you've been on. that has been shaken up yeah. recently. Yeah. Wasn't there somebody else from your group from Tennessee that was helping on this? Yeah. As well? So, Seems... so we're kind of transitioning him off and my colleague from North Carolina okay. on. Um, so that, that's kind of the transition that we were managing there. Gotcha. Uh, so we just, I mean, that's one of the nice things about, consulting as well is that like going out to a dinner with your client is a totally legitimate a it's a totally legitimate business expense that the company pays for and b <laughs> it's a totally legitimate like use of time as well because the conversations yeah. that you have there and the relationships that you build are actually really valuable um so it was it was good it was the first one of those we've done in a while on this project um and it's convenient for me because it's close enough that I literally took a scooter home. At oh, the end nice! Of the night. You took one of those scooters, huh? Oh yeah. Do you ride those often? I wouldn't say often. I would say occasionally. My office, when I don't go to the client's office, my office is like a, either a twenty-minute walk or like a ten-minute scooter ride. If I find a scooter, I'll sometimes grab one. Isn't it fun to think we live in an era where you can say that? And that's a thing that I can understand. You can, it's not like a bike ride. You just told me about how what the scooter distance is from yeah. <laughs> your office to home. Yeah. Do you do any sick, sick tricks? No sick tricks. I, didn't, okay. I wasn't wearing a helmet, so I was trying to be very careful. Okay. And it was also dark. Okay, wow. But I had a light, so it was all right. I've never ridden one. Um, they're I fun, man. They're... Everybody is always, is always hating on them, but I think they're a legitimate legitimately interesting innovation for moving around a city yeah no i think they are too i think they're as long as people aren't throwing them in rivers and you know doing all the stupid (laughs) shit that they do to them (laughs) yeah yeah um so that was like the bulk of my week those two sessions and we had other some other meetings that we we went to that i i can't really talk about and then today has been um mostly just writing the ready's newsletter which i'm responsible for writing every week and doing some of my own writing for the deliberate 
um, and now we're recording this. But Thursday, today, today was awesome because I woke up and I had zero meetings on my calendar. That's so it's nice. been it's been glorious. Even uh, with your guys' belief on getting rid of you know lessening meeting culture, is this is you? Still oh yeah, I mean I still I still. I mean, I do a lot of, I still spend a lot of time in meetings, you know, working with the client or, and our meetings are good generally. Yeah. Um, and we have different types, you know, sometimes we're doing a working session, sometimes it's a, an action meeting or a retro, but it is nice to, to have just nothing on the calendar. Yeah, I guess, I guess you kind of have to be to, to, to make any progress on projects. Yeah, we don't work telepathically, telepathically with our clients. Well, that's the next step, Sam. You guys will get there. I guess there. so. I'm sure. The ready is always, you know, you're paving new trails and maybe Maybe I can figure out a way to work with my client purely through writing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we do, we do do a lot of asynchronous stuff, especially through Slack. Like, it's not like mm. we only talk on the phone or video conference. There is a lot of writing stuff that goes back and forth. But okay. nothing, nothing is higher bandwidth than actually sitting down and having a meeting. So, so what was – because you mentioned this a while back that you were going to have this meeting where you guys were just going to dive into Brave New Work. Yeah. What was the essential goal of you two getting together to do that kind of work for the project? Yeah. I mean, I think – so it's – one way to think of it is that, like, wow, we probably should have done this a long time ago, right? Like, he hired us. We've been working there for you know, four months or so. But before all this reorg happened, he, even though he's the one who hired us and it was his team and his organization that we were working in, he had kind of deliberately stepped into the background to let us do our thing. So gotcha. he, he understood enough of our stuff through, you know, talking with us and seeing Aaron's ta- videos online that he had a pretty good sense of like who we are and what we do and how we do it. But mostly he just wanted to get out of the way and let us do our thing. Uh, But then with the, the reorg that all totally changed. And he realized that he needed to have a much more intimate knowledge of what we do and how we do it so that he could better represent that to his new organization. So we decided to kind of try to just, you know, do this deep dive in, in a couple of sessions to explore, the ideas in the book and talk about specifically how they relate to his context and answer questions. Just kind of go back and forth uh, on that. Um, And then at the end of the second one, kind of make some determinations about how we wanted to move forward on this project for the next four, four months, basically, which is when the contract um, expires. Do you essentially get a, so you guys are minus him working with a whole new group of people because of the reorg. Is it, is the people, his team are totally different now? Well, that's the thing. I mean, part of it is that he doesn't have a team anymore. His team oh, okay. kind of got dispersed to other parts of the organization, and he moved over to this new one without a team for right now. And I think he's going to be kind of slowly building a new one. But part of part of all of the uncertainty is that our sandbox went away. Mm-hmm. And the way we do this work, and you've read the book, so you know this, You know, we find a place in an organization where we can do something new. and where there's permission to try new things. And that went away for us a couple of weeks ago. Um, But literally yesterday, we kind of figured out he is leading a handful of teams that are going to basically be our new sandbox where we can introduce some ideas and do what we were doing before. So it is a new new group. I thought you said sandbox. I did say sandbox. (laughs) Sand. No, you said sand, right? Yeah. I thought you said Sam. Oh. <laughs> this is like a, a space for you to work. No, like my sandbox is what I call my head. Yeah, our sandbox, our sandbox. 
Well, that's cool. Well, it sounds like things are actually, I mean, you, you said that you had a feeling that things were just going to continue on at, in this weird space until something formed, but it sounds like it's forming pretty fast. It's starting to, it's starting to form. We're starting to have, I mean, coming out of it, we basically have three, three work streams in mind. You know, one is working with these handful of new teams or handful of existing projects that he is nominally in charge of working with them. Another is identifying other people, other change agents within the organization who we Mm -hmm. can bring together and start forming a community. Uh, And the third is basically putting on kind of an event series around the ideas, like the lunch and learns that we've been doing. Uh, What are what are some series that we can put on and invite people to and share ideas and get them engaged with with that? So that's what we'll be working on. Cool beans. Cool beans, indeed. We have a topic today, right? We actually have a topic. We're just not going to bullshit back and forth for an hour and then call it, a, call it a day? That's good because I feel like our topic list is fairly long and we rarely ever actually pull one off of there. So, And I think yeah. we, we semi-teased it at the end of the last episode. We but, did. Um, we did tease it. And the teaser was I wanted to know what makes a bad farmer versus a good farmer. Okay. And you, so, and you did some homework. I did some homework, and I really – I'm thinking back on this, and I didn't have much time to talk to my coworkers about it, and I should have asked them more because they've also had plenty of inter- – everyone has their interactions with good and bad farmers. Sure. Um, and But I've, I've written down plenty of what makes a bad farmer, and you, like you kind of alluded to or what you said was for the most part, being a bad farmer is very rarely going to be you're bad at planting plants or you're bad <laughs> right. at weeding plants or you're bad at um, those I – mean, Although, hey, but, I, I would say if I were a farmer – I would be bad at those things. Well, we did. We <laughs> broke new ground, um, pun intended, last uh, week as you discovered that tomatoes and potatoes are in the same family, um, even though their colors of the fruit and things are different. But um, They sound but, the yeah. same, though, so that's how you know. That's how you can it tell. Is, mm-hmm. That is very true. That's how they actually – that's how the Latin and all the, the family – like uh, for you know, botany reasons, it's always just by name. Yeah. It's what, <laughs> what rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um but anyways, I do think, though, I mean, a little bit of it still could be those physical things make, can make you a bad farmer. There's a lot of people I think there's an ideology around um, a really idyllic, I guess, idea of what it means to, to farm or to be a farmer. Um, I mean, there's been plenty of back to the land movements, you know, throughout. And I'd say that we're kind of, in a way, having one again. Yeah. So it's uh, basically, you know, here's my conception of farming. You kind of, you know, you wake up with the as the sun is coming up and the and the chickens are crowing or the mm-hmm. roosters whatever ones crow that you wake up and you greet the land and you drink your cup of coffee and you say you say good morning to the land and then mm-hmm. you walk outside and you know you kind of poke around your plants a little bit you kind of nudge them with your feet you talk to them a little bit uh when you're feeling good and ready you walk around and you you pick the the ripe plants that are kind of you know right at Right at hand uh, height, and you you take them inside, and you make yourself a, a scrumptious, um, nutritious lunch, and then maybe you do a little bit more of that in the early afternoon, and then you take a nap in a hammock, uh, in when in the hot part of the afternoon, and then you're basically done. I think you just described a John Steinbeck character. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, for sure. And and that farmer makes money when he does what exactly? Uh, I, I, doesn't the government just give you money for farming? <laughs> uh, I mean, for not farming, uh, actually, isn't that what a subsidy it, is? Yeah, in a sense, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> they do. That's definitely a thing. Um, not my experience with how I farm or the farming <laughs> I'm doing, but you are not entirely wrong about that. But anyways, so, yeah, I mean, 
so one thing I was thinking is, yeah, so there's obviously the the back to the land, like I want to farm. I, you know, this is my family used to farm or I just want to go spend my time in nature. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's definitely been farms and people that, that buy the land and just jump right into it. And many times and jump right into it with the idea. If you jump right into it, the idea of it being a hobby farm, you're not relying on the money. Then like that is fine. It is right. an educational thing. You're growing this food for yourself, for other people. Maybe you have a farm stand. It's like. It's it is in truly sense like a hobby. Yeah. But if you go about it to jump into that and then and plan on making it your business, um, one thing that my coworker said that I think is very true that the main thing that can make a bad farmer is they don't realize that farming is very much being a businessman, you know, as much as it is farming. Yeah. Because totally. you don't have a marketing department. Yep. You don't have all these different departments. You are in charge of everything from top to bottom, usually for the most part, unless you are a big enough farm that you can bring somebody in to kind of help you with that. But you need to be kind of thinking about the farm as a business because that's usually where things go wrong. Totally. Um, I mean, which makes sense, obviously, but like, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't think you should downplay that. Like, I don't think, I know I was not necessarily thinking that way when I think of farming necessarily yeah. now, like even when it gets a little bit of thought, like I totally see that. Like, you know, it's of course, you know, it takes a lot of work to get things to actually grow and, and you have enough of them. But if you don't have somewhere to sell them, if you don't have those relationships, if you don't, you know, aren't good at that, if you aren't good at planning and like making sure that things are available when like prices are best or like there's mm-hmm. all so much of, of the success has to be kind of outside of just the actual creation of food. Yeah, and because I've been on farms before where we're killing it with what we're growing, you know, where yeah. we bring in, you know, we bring in 1,200 pounds of cucumbers one time last year. I mean, that's just like we just have crates and crates of beautiful cucumbers, organic. We're certified organic, and we're turning and looking around like shit, shit, shit. Like we had 115 person CSA, and each one of them got six cucumbers, and it's like, hey, you know, figure it out. This is why you're part of a CSA. But that, you know, we still had probably four or five hundred pounds sitting around and well, I, can you, tell you, I hope you made a shit ton of pickles yeah well yeah as us as individuals well here's the thing about being a farmer but by the time you get home at the end of the day the last thing i want to do is sit around and make pickles um <laughs> is usually what happens but w- what we did was and, you know and then you here's a, another secret you take you think you'd take well take all that to the farmer's market you know that's just that's just money in your hand um it's not ever because cucumbers are a thing that you know people like they like them and people know what they are, but it's not like you have a mountain of these cucumbers on your table and there's like people are just coming and grabbing them and throwing dollar bits. Yeah, cucumbers! Like, cucumbers! It's like the, woo! It's like the stock market. There's just there's <laughs> bells ringing. There's dollars flying. And no, it's, you know, you bring 50 pounds and you hope to sell the 50 pounds you brought. Well, yeah. So And cucumbers um, are objectively the most boring vegetable. They're definitely up there. I think they're behind celery. Oh, no, they're ahead of celery. I think celery is pretty boring, but celery way harder to grow. See, well, here's um, the thing. Oh yeah, I've never heard you talking about celery. Uh, well, celery is a better base for other things. Like you could throw some peanut butter on some celery. You're not putting peanut butter on a cucumber. That's gross as hell. Yeah, probably not. You're right. But um, but anyways, the, the moral of that story is not Sorry. cucumbers suck. <laughs> <laughs> but the moral of the story is is that yeah, so we were we were killing the growing it, but we did not have an outlet for it, and actually we ended up you know donating. 400 300 400 pounds of cucumbers to a couple different food banks which is like that's definitely good you know better than nothing yeah better than nothing we can write it off you know um it's it's fine but it's not you'd look at that and you can do the math in your head you know you sell cucumbers for two dollars a pound like that's 2400 bucks right there on one harvest that should be awesome but it doesn't always work out that way um but 
I, yeah, I can actually walk down just some of the, the things that I have listed for, um, I guess I could have worded it in a nice way and said what makes a good farmer versus a bad farmer, but we're going to go on the negative on this. Because yeah, let's go. Let's be negative. And, um, but one of the ones that um, is pretty common, and this is just from witnessing farms go under, knowing people that have started their own farms, reading books about farming, but a common one is that um, usually there's two different ways to go about getting a farm. I think I talked a little bit about this last time. There is the the pull yourself up from your bootstraps. You buy a piece of land. It's land. It's nothing but, you know, grass or field, and you till it in. Right. And you start from the beginning. And you – I know people that have lived on campers on their property. Um, you know, I've done my yeah. time in a camper. Yeah. <laughs> it's just part of the – but um, so there's people that do that, and they're they're building up their infrastructure. Their, their first wash pack station where they're washing all their produce is just a hose, a table with some chicken wire, like a spray table – maybe a couple buckets to dip stuff in and like a tent over you if it's raining. And you know, that's the, the bare minimum of what you could do for a wash pack station. And that's fine. Like you can sell yeah. produce at a farmer's market. That is like a okay. Um, so there's that method that is very low startup cost. You are basically, you know, figuring it out as you go. And then there's a couple farms I know and it rarely works, which is the, I take out all this debt, um, and all these loans to, just go for go for what I want from the start. Like you know, I have an image in my head of exactly what I want to build. You know, twenty five thousand dollar greenhouses. I'm gonna build four of them. I'm gonna build um, a wash pack station that's stainless steel. Everything. It's gorgeous. You know, it's a it's a work of art on its own. I'm gonna buy a new tractor. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Um, and you visit those farms and you look at them. And you're like, that is. I'm so like you're instantly jealous because they've got it yeah. down to a T. You think you're like this is perfect. Like you've got. Got all the you're, stuff. You're, you got all your stuff. Your greenhouse isn't collapsing under high winds. <laughs> you're you're not washing in the pouring rain. The floor isn't mud. Like you're doing great. Your tractor always starts when you want to start. Um, like all these things that I've experienced on farms that have gone wrong. It's like you know these farms don't have it. But a really common one is right away that they they took out so much in loans that the farmers don't make you know three hundred thousand dollars a Wait, year. Wait, what? You tell um, me that farmers aren't <laughs> rolling around in in money? No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> but um, so a, a common one is that you just don't have that image in your head for, you know, there's people that can do it because they know they're going to grow specific things to, to make that money back fast um, or to make the payments at least. Right. Um, so that's a common one is just taking too much debt. But there's another way to do that. And we um, could say too, like that's, that's true for this. like any entrepreneurial <laughs> effort. Like I've seen yeah. other people do that in other places too, like, you know, starting a restaurant, like I'm going to mm-hmm. – buy buy you know, get space in a really expensive area and get all the best equipment and yeah so in general yeah i'm a fan of of bootstrapping your way into success rather than trying to shortcut it with debt and stati- statistically speaking most of the farmers that i've worked for and known that's how they do it yeah. um because that's the way to do it but another way you can do that and it's not necessarily monetarily but it's with time and effort is a lot of farms do a thing where so they they are renting or they own 20 acres of farmable land. Um, it's a husband and wife or two people, three people, and they try to till and plant the 20 acres, all of it, this, because the land is there. Is it big? Yes, yeah. So the farm yeah. I'm on is one acre. Right. Now we're managing like, what, all four by people? hand. Four people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four full timers, but we're managing all by hand. But yeah. I'm the biggest farm. I, we were on a six acre farm last year. Um, with a crew of like five or six and we were still behind a lot of the time. But, um, so what they'll do is because, you know, in your mind, you're like, I have all this land, I'm paying for all this land right. that could all produce money if I'm putting crops in the ground, which, you know, is true. Um, and the, the thing that people always forget about farming is that 
it's really easy to go out and plant all that acreage yeah. because half the time people have tractor, like pull behind tractor right. uh, implements to plant. And so yeah. you could one day you could plant five acres, 10 acres. And you're like, yeah. you know, we're almost Piece there. Like, cake. Yeah. Like now we just wait. And yeah, now that's all, that's just all future money. Um, <laughs> but what happens is as the summer builds up and, you know, so maybe you're not planting anymore because your fields are all planted, but, but now your certain crops are, you know, harvestable in 20 days. So now you're out there cutting lettuce, um, for your markets and that's, you know, that's making money. But at the same time, there's all these fields that are falling behind in weeds and your, your time is just, you never have enough time to cover all aspects of that unless you right. get a bigger crew. But, um, necessary first finding the crew can be really hard these days, but also, you know, it's just a lot to put on yourself. And a common thing is really just that that's spreading yourself too thin, um, physically trying to plant and grow a lot of stuff right um because it it is it's just so enticing and i I would imagine that is a recipe for like farmer burnout like yeah maybe you can like you can grit your teeth to the end of the year and like make it to the end but you're not exactly going to be motivated to do it again next year or the year after or the year after yeah and that's if and that's if you're farming in a northern climate where you get that end oh right yeah. i think about it I'm, and that's exactly how my mindset works is is there's a start and end point of farming every year but if you're farming in kentucky and tennessee there's no start and end point like winter is when you're planting different you know there's still growable time oh, down what? there really the sun. yeah hmm. so you could be farming year-round down there which to me blows my mind i would never want to do that yeah. <laughs> one of the highlights of being a farmer is that there's an end point um <laughs> Yeah. It's, everyone, everyone I far with says the same thing. It's like you need you need the break. Well, it's, your body it's the same way. It's a uh, that's what teachers say too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need and I guess teachers are nicer because their break comes in the summer and ours comes yeah. the coldest part of the year. But um, so yeah, that is a that's a really yeah. But you don't have one. to deal with children, so that is true. Honestly, yeah, I've had I've led like two volunteer groups before in my farming career, and those days I was more tired than any farming thing I've ever done. Um, so I have a lot of respect for anyone that has to entertain people for an entire day. Yeah. But, and, and, and to speak to farmer burnout, this is another thing that maybe doesn't necessarily make a bad farmer, but like you said, it can lead to it is the other problem is there's this stigma around, and we got this a lot from a lot of the old timer farmers we farmed next to last year. We were in a farming Valley. People have been farming here forever. Um, and so they, they know vegetable growing and we were out there one day and the guy drove by and he asked, you know, where's, where's Steve? Like, where's, was my boss? And I said, Oh, you know, he's, um, sick today. We had a doctor's appointment. We planned something. I was like, he's not here. You know, he's like, Oh, you know, uh, you know, I used to, you know, when I was farming, I was up at, I was up at 4am and I didn't, I didn't stop until the sun went down. You know, I farmed all day, you know, like uphill both ways, you know, like in, in the <laughs> snow. Barbed wire on my feet yeah. for traction. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and there is a stigma that being a farmer is like throw the mental health to the side and like just get out there and farm because that's what you that's why you well, want to how, be a farmer right how could you have any mental health problems you're outside all day it's beautiful yeah. it's true yeah <laughs> so it's gorgeous out and you know you're just like oh it's a free workout but you're just like you know it's just, it's wonderful yeah, but you forget um, you gotta you got you forget you gotta put vaseline on a lamb's abscess <laughs> exactly <laughs> no one ever tells you about that um I mean, and it's an also like a little side comment, which definitely be a future topic, which it's also the reason that farmers have one of the highest suicide rates of any occupation oh, in I didn't know that. the United States. I mean, it's in the top five Wow. Um, because of just like the stress, I mean, the stress and the debt and especially the way farming, it's usually bigger farmers than industrial yeah. farmers. But well, and that's um, why and I would I mean like the weather, like farmers yeah. are always stressed out about the weather, I would imagine. Yeah, because you're at the whim of something you, you literally Zero have control, control. of. Yeah. yeah, you can adapt and be ready for, you know, and make yourself the most versatile farm in the world trying to be ready for what's going to happen. But there's still 
you still could get a hailstorm in the middle of summer and it just just wrecks all your field crops that happens that's the thing yeah. people don't even think about like hail destroys stuff high winds destroy stuff um yeah a random drought a random 110 degree heat index day like that's brutal. well good thing we're not struggling with any sort of climate change that results in extreme uh extreme weather situations climate climate what was that word you used climate change, change? I haven't heard of it. No, <laughs> no one's talking about it up here. No, but, of course um, not. But that's that's another thing is is the burnout and the idea that farmers need to farm constantly. Um, that's yeah. and luckily at this farm I'm at, it's like eight hour days. You know, that's how yeah. you can keep your. That's nice. If you and, and that's the other thing too is if if you can't maintain a realistic life schedule, then you must have stretched yourself too thin. Mm-hmm. If you have to be farming, you know, it's four to four to ten o'clock at night. You know, you're just you're just you've done something wrong. Yeah. Um, that's not a way to make a living or people who will say, you know, we didn't, we barely, we didn't make any money for the first six years and you know, now we're just over and it's like, we're just starting to make money. It's like, that's, I mean, if you can do it, that's great, but that's not, right. that's not being a business really. Um, but, um, another one that I have down that is we, you kind of touched on it earlier is the idea of not knowing what your markets are. You can have the best soil in the world and be farming in a beautiful area, but there's no one to buy you know, local vegetables, you know, you, there's just, there's not going to be a, uh, any type of demand for it. I mean, it's pretty basic business, right. but, um, these days it's easy to find a piece of property and be like, that's perfect. You know, I'm going to grow on that. And then yeah. you don't even sit, think twice about like, Oh, right. You know, I have to drive three hours to the closest farmer's market every Saturday morning, right. um, and transport all that produce or do all this stuff like that. Um, the other thing is you don't know, like, in Michigan, a big thing now is like the competition too. Are you growing something that is now saturated? Um, right. A big problem with farming right now is that you know, if you don't look into that, you realize you know I'll just do another. I'll do a CSA. Everyone's doing CSAs. Well, there's no one signing up for CSAs yeah, really. Everybody's just everybody is already in a CSA. Everyone that wants to be in a CSA is in one, and yeah. it's hard to to find new people to do it. Um, it's not like you know. It's still very unknown, which means like that is all potential people that can become a part of one, but it's pretty rare to to pull somebody new in. It's a lot of people bouncing from CSA to CSA. So right. Well, and I would imagine, at least in my in my mind, you know, if you're farming, you're probably not necessarily, but probably in a pretty rural area, which means there's not that many people, which yeah. means there's not that many people to be in your CSA. Yeah, it is a terrible and and struff. And, and just like really difficult situation to be in, um, which is I've been at a couple of farms that were in great spots, like just rural enough outside of downtown Ann Arbor to 100,000 people or something, you know, like uh, that that's land is also really expensive because it's, you know, the, the yeah. location itself is perfect. Yeah. Um, and, and another common mistake that can make a bad farmer is you don't have any plan on what you're going to grow f- like plan wise, you know. Are you, are you going to be a corn and soybean person? Are you just going to do a two crop kind of thing? Or is your plan to, to really, you know, do it all? Like, you know, at the farm right now, we're growing, you know, a hundred varieties of things. Um, and is there a demand for that? But I think a lot of people just go into it, not having that concrete plan worked out. Um, right. Because if you've never taken any type of course on it, um, you wouldn't realize that, you know, eight months before you plant your first seed or four months before you plant your first seed, you probably should have have sat down and figured out the season already you know you build in that fluctuation but your season should be figured out you should know when you're planting what you're planting how much you're planting um that's part of it and then the other issue would be that i guess it's all been touched on for the most part now but like there's a very slow pace um 
to making money. You know, your first year is not, which is again, true for many small businesses. Right. Your first year is not gonna be super profitable. But if that's the kind of, if you're the kind of person that instantly eats at you and beats you down, right. then, then probably not the right place for you to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, starting up any business is probably not the right place for you to be doing that. Um, or if you're also the kind of person where you're not ready to be pretty flexible because like farming, you don't go, you don't go on vacation in the summer because right. I mean, your, your, your land is, is where you need to be because things like you said, weather fluctuates so much that you need to be available. Um, especially if you're doing livestock or something where you need to just keep something alive, you know, <laughs> keep its ab, keep its head from getting an abscess. <laughs> you need to be rubbing Vaseline. Yeah, abscesses land. need rubbing. You can't go on yeah. vacation. Yeah. People ask if you have Saturday night plans. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Rub, I'm rubbing a lamb's head. Um, but that's pretty much, I mean, I, the other thing I've mentioned on here that we can attack from the nice side, which is being a good farmer is, and it's catching on now is the whole thing of being a lean farmer and like really minimizing, um, cost, uh, waste, your overhead, yeah. overhead. Um, it's, you know, just being able to, if you're building your farm from the startup, you should be building it precisely to the point where you take the fewest steps to your wash pack, the fewest yeah. steps to this. Um, it's, it's easier said than done because a lot of times you're taking over an existing farm with an existing infrastructure. Right. Um, and you're having to rework that. But, um, I don't know. Those are the main things I would say determine like making you a bad farmer. There's a lot other stuff that can come up. I mean, yeah. if you're not ready for like you said, the worst case scenario of like, you know, a tornado or you know, right. something's going to come in and wipe out your, your fields or something's going to happen like that. Um, or if you're not the kind of person that can be okay with the thought of, you know, that happens that you have right. to be able to, that that's not going to to send you off the, off the rocker. And now you're, you know, yeah freaking out about money which i guess that's the other thing too is that <laughs> that comes into play plenty often um yeah. the, the key is have a spouse that isn't a farmer that's pretty <laughs> that's i'm gonna be honest that is very it's rare you meet a couple where both of them are farming right um sometimes yeah. you do and like yeah. i'd tip my hat because that's like super impressive and i, I that's great but yeah. it's very it's, usually it's it's he's farming she's working a well-paying job or if she's farming he's also doing something else and yeah. uh but i don't know i don't know if you have any other questions well so my 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 obvious question is are you a good farmer or a bad farmer yeah i'm a pretty good farmer right now and that's mainly because i haven't taken the plunge to uh own my own land own or anything own, yet right yeah but um yeah i'm doing, I'm doing all right job <laughs> i think you know what i think the other thing that that make somebody a good farmer um is you just have to like you need to build up some form of experience working on other people's farms um it is true that you sometimes hear stories of people that get out of like these crazy you know working for a new york law firm to go start their farm yeah. they've always always wanted to farm and there is there's a famous farm in new york that's like that a former software engineer guy sold his software company for a ton of money now he runs this really lean farm that's very famous yeah. um and that's a thing but for the most part you won't know how to do any of that planning or the logistics or figuring out, um, you know, crop rotations and all these things you need to know unless you work on a farm. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to work five seasons. I mean, I, you know, I, this is only my fourth full season on a farm. Right. Um, so, you know, and I feel like I, I feel like if I pressed into the situation, I could probably run a farm. Right. Um, I felt pretty confident after the second year because of how fast things just, the amount of information comes at you, but you need to, no education or not, you know, even if you do a program or something, you just need to work on somebody's farm. Right. But yeah. What about, um, like the, so I'm just thinking and trying to put myself in your shoes and like what I would potentially have 
challenges with. What about like the monotony of doing the same thing for like even like oh, oh, the course of a day or like how do you deal with with that? Um, for me, it's, I'm the kind of person where it doesn't bother me at all to yeah. do something for a, a large portion of the day. Um, the one thing, like you said, so maybe a, maybe one day is like six hours. Today it was probably six hours weeding. Um, you know, that's most of it by hand on all fours. Yeah. We're pulling weeds out of the ground. Um, a little bit of it is I get through by the physical satisfaction of seeing what you've done. Yeah. Like you said, there's a lot, not a lot of jobs where you maybe get instant gratification for seeing what you've done. Yeah. Um, I, uh, when, when there are opportunities for me to like cut something out, like cut out like a, a stack of paper or like fold something, I'm all over it, man. I love those yeah. types of things right now because my, my job is like 0% seeing like physical things change. Yeah, which I guess, yeah, we're the, the absolute polar opposite when it comes to that. But yeah, so today, you know, I, I can look back after, sure, it was 30 minutes on all fours kind of crouching through a field, but you look back and you see that you have, you know, yeah. this brand new bed. that being satisfying. Yeah. It is very satisfying. Um, the other thing is that, like you said, it's, it's so it's maybe one day sucks, but the next day could be an entirely different task. You know, yeah. three days a week we're harvesting. Um and on a harvest day, it's not like I pick cucumbers for eight hours. We don't have, we're not a big enough farm for that. Yeah. Some farms do that, and I think that's why I wouldn't be able to exist in one of those. But for me, on a harvest day, you know, I go from picking cucumbers to picking eggplant to picking beans. And that's a really good point things. in the sense that, uh, in my mind, those are all the same thing, but obviously they're different. And mm -hmm. and once you're in it, you can see the variation in something that a lay person like me just assumes is all the same. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, and they are in somewhat the same sense of like you are hunched over and you're picking something. Right. Um, but there are definitely, you ask any farmer, there are definitely things that they, you hate harvesting. It's like, I, I know that I'm on. You blank. hate strawberries. You, you I hate strawberries because they're, because they're sneaky little bastards. The top they're, will be red and you think they're ready and they're not right. That is very true. Those I are, think about that every time I eat strawberries now. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we, our strawberries are done for the year and thank God. Okay. Um, <laughs> But there's there's always something to replace it that kind of sucks. I mean, for a while we hated picking peas because that's just a lot of monotonous. If you ever think about something when you're with a thing you're eating is tiny, and someone yeah. had to pick each individual thing like black raspberries, like you're picking a bunch of little raspberries, that's yeah. not fun. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So the, the monotony part. So does that mean really corn fun. is like the best to pick? Big old ears. It gets yeah, it's pretty satisfying. Yeah. Um, corn potatoes are fun. It's like a scavenger hunt. Um, you pull, it's great right now. Cause I, we just started harvesting this week, but you grab a potato plant and it's, they're still a little bit alive, which is nice. You pull them up and it's just like the root structure. And then all of the potatoes are hanging off it. Like little, little rewards, the little, <laughs> the little potato rewards. And, and I'm guessing it's probably a little bit like fishing. Maybe we're like, you don't know how big it's going to be. You don't know what it's you're going like to get. It's like watching deadliest catch. <laughs> it's like, what's in that? Except in I that don't know cage? if I would call it deadliest catch. Maybe no. boring as catch. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're right. So you never know what kind of like yield's gonna be under there. And then what the other thing is, and we're growing fun colored ones, which is nice. <laughs> do you guys ever? Do, if you guys are all out there uh, harvesting, and one of you pulls up a potato plant with like a crazy looking one, or it's like really big, do you go like, hey, look at this one? Yep, a hundred percent. When we're doing strawberries, you would always try and we would find the funkiest one, and you'd set it aside, and we would have a competition to see who's the funkiest one. Nice. Um, or like every now and then, if you're like out picking squash, and there's always that one zucchini or you know summer squash that has been hiding for like weeks, yeah. and you pull it out, and it's the size of your entire shin, and you're just like, <laughs> look, look at this thing. Um, there's definitely a part of that. I, I, I gotta ask you a question. I need you to be honest with me. Okay. All right, just just me and you here. All right, no one's listening. 
That's me. true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, probably. Um, anyway, yeah. do you ever find vegetables that look like wieners? Yes. And you set them aside and you show them to each other and you laugh. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think, nothing yet because usually eggplant, Sam. Oh, of eggplant, course. But it, it'll have the full on, it'll be an eggplant, but with a wiener sticking off the main eggplant. It's not that the main Whoa. eggplant looks like one, it's that the whole thing going on. Uh-huh. Potatoes, potatoes have very, I would imagine potatoes have a chance to look a little bit like a wiener. Wiener, or sometimes they'll look like like, like a butt. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, <laughs> All right. Carrot, carrots can look pretty goofy, like All two right. legs. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, this is about, I'll jump away from that topic. Yeah, we can go um, back to being serious now. We everyone, everyone, come back in. Everyone can listen now. Come yeah. back in. All right, everyone's back. Uh, but the other way that really breaks the monotony is honestly, like good coworkers makes yeah. the, the world a yeah. difference. Because we were just talking about this with people at the farm, but there's very few jobs you work where you spend eight hours a day with somebody. Yeah, I mean, like, I felt real like close the, to them. Yeah, real close to them. You're talking potentially most of the time. Um, you just get to know each other really fast. I mean, somebody starts on Monday and by Friday, I feel like, yeah, I know a lot about them. You know, I really yeah. know the inner workings of their family. <laughs> no, like it's just yeah. depending on how open people are and willing to talk. But um, it helps the time pass. We also play a lot of and, you know, this would make us run long, but we would play a lot of weeding games, which are games that we play out loud while we're weeding. Um, <laughs> what? Please, please okay. describe a weeding game to me. Okay, I can't just leave that hanging there, can I? Um, well, one of them is the simplest one would be you're thinking of two words that rhyme. So like small ball, like I'm thinking that in my head. So my job is to give you two clues, two other words to try and make you guess small ball. So you, you know, it could be like minuscule orb, and people are just like everyone's weeding. They're just like, what the fuck was minuscule? But it's more fun the more weird and random your clues don't always have to yeah. be synonyms. So you can do things that are like. Um, like one kid's was large elephant, but it was jumbo dumbo, which is pretty good. Um, because dumb, oh, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be like pachyderm. You don't have to say you know. So that the whole idea is that you're just like kind of thinking. Yeah. It's a lot of word games and word based yeah. games. Um, we do different ones like that. There's a couple different ones that are that you. If we're in the mood, we'll play. We'll ask if anyone wants to play a game. And <laughs> nice. But for the most part, you know, I have learned a ton this year just talking to other people, whatever their interests are. Um. This has probably been the best crew I've ever worked on in terms of just people that I get along with really well that can also be efficient and get things done. Um, I think that is a hundred percent make or break a farm season is like good coworkers because yeah. you are you're just surrounded by them all the time. Yeah. And podcasts, podcasts can get you through any type of monotonous <laughs> job. Do you ever you you ever listen to our podcast? <laughs> I haven't yet. That'd be pretty um, meta. Well, a little meta, and also it's like I actually this this year I feel like I haven't had headphones in very much because we're always kind of changing tasks or talking or there's a lot going on on a small scale. Yeah. Um, it was when I was riding tractors and mowing and stuff mm-hmm. for a long time that I put podcasts on, but those can definitely help you get through an eight-hour weeding day. Yeah. Um, but I honestly, I, I love it. It's fine. It, it doesn't bother me yet. The only thing that bothers me is is the physical like aching of my back or something. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I could be better about maybe stretching or like trying out some yoga or something. That'd probably do. That'd probably do some wonders for me, really. Probably would. But yeah. all right, cool. Well, I feel like I've I've learned a lot. I feel like I'm ready to be a good farmer if I need to make a career shift. Okay. Well, if you want to get into farming, you let me know. We'll start a farm together. All right. Cool. Do you want? To, I will. I don't. We have enough time for you to, to nah, go. No, we'll bit. we'll do mine next time. You want to do yours next time? Yeah, we'll talk all a little right. bit about. Well, I'll answer the same question. What makes a good consultant? Yeah. I'll have to ask people because I have no idea. Okay. Well, I think it's more of what makes a bad consultant, Sam. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> I'll take a long look in the mirror. Yep.
Perfect. Well, I feel like our quote ending last time. Oh, yeah. No, that was not a bus. <laughs> it was the best part of our podcast last time. Let's look up another yeah. one. You think so? No, I had one ready earlier. Oh, do you? But first off, I discovered – here's the thing. Guys, Farmer's Almanac, they don't do quotes. <laughs> what? Turns out Farmer's Almanac does not um, do, like, daily quotes. But, oh. but, they, but they have some deep – you want to deep – this is some Farmer's Almanac wisdom for you. Um, okay. Wait, no, this is oh like this is like a McElroy bit of farm wisdom, um, but uh, supposedly this is a little bit of weather lore for you. So Sam, did you know when a cow carries its tail upright, it means it's gonna poop, <laughs> or it's a sign of a coming hurricane? Oh, what? You think, what do you think a cow? Come on, ever, that is so, someone just made that shit up. Has a cow never put his tail up in Indiana? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the. That is dumber than last week's quote. We're getting worse. <laughs> I'll do research for next episode. It'll be great, everybody. All right. All right. Sounds good. At, least you, at least you learned something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I learn something? I don't know about that. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, this has been Fields of Work. I'm, I'm Sam. I'm Max. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. My dog was so good. She was amazing.